0: Welcome back to the BMW Blog Podcast, this is episode 69, and uh, Horatio and I are going to talk about, uh, actually quite a bit, because he was just at the Goodwood Festival of Speed a few weeks ago, and there's a lot to talk about that, so uh, he got to see the M3 touring in person, he got to uh, take a ride in the M4 CSL on the famous Goodwood Hill Climb, um, and he's also can finally talk about the M2 prototype that he drove, because that was kind of under embargo last time we, we spoke, so he couldn't talk about that. Uh, then and uh, i'll talk about a test drive for, for the new 230i and then maybe we can hit some other topics if we have time so uh let's just start and uh hey man thanks for joining me been a while good how are you
1: good good a lot of things happening in the bmw world lately despite being mm-hmm. somewhere on vacation but uh like you said been quite yeah. busy and the last time that we spoke um, i couldn't really talk about the uh, m2 g87 test drive uh, we're still on the, the embargo at that time but ever since a lot of reviews came out so ours as well actually a couple of them so i can maybe kick it off with the um with the setup so um we went to Ring, uh, austria and initially we drove the xm and i think we talked about that in a previous podcast so if you want to listen to that uh, feel free to hit that episode and then um following that we uh drove on the track the new bmw m2 there was a choice in between a manual and an automatic transmission so we kind of went back to back basically on the track see how the two compare how the two feel uh, same power output so despite what people initially thought there was no difference really in the power output between the two models in. so it's not like the m3 yeah, exactly so that tells me right away that there will be just one car launching so it's not going to be like a base m2 with a manual and then some sort of a competition a model with the automatic so just one car it's called the m2 from what i know there is no competition behind it it remains to be seen if there will be a competition or if they jump directly to an m2 cs i guess uh that's probably still um, in development but um we can talk about what i drove there so basically um no power output, uh, according to them, uh, or at least officially. But uh, we know that it's around 450 horsepower, so quite powerful. Uh, same power as the current M2CS, and that's the point that right. I really want to make because to me, this new M2, the G87, truly feels like the M2CS. So for me, really? Uh, yeah, I mean, immediately it felt like they just started with the M2CS as the base model, which is unbelievable, Funfully. honestly.
0: Yeah, um, that because means the M2CS is.
1: was it's it's already a fantastic car on the F87, yeah. and even some of the um, uh, parts and things that were available on the M2CS, they are now standard or at least optional on the on the M2. So um, gives me a lot of hope uh, immediately on the track. Uh, I started with the M2 manual. It was a little bit rainy out there, but we were on believe on Michelin uh, PS4s, so at least we had some decent grip with that but the car just felt uh, faster than the M2 competition for sure, even though it's probably a little bit heavier because they said the, um, the weight, uh, it's somewhere in between the previous M2 or between the M240i and the M4. I think that's kind of what they mentioned. So a little bit heavier than the previous M2, but with a lot more power. So um, that it's immediately noticeable on the track. I also noticed that they've done a lot of work on the suspension it's um, a lot more customizable when it comes to the comfort level so if you start off on the uh, low setting comfort uh, you get a lot more comfortable drive compared to what you would get in a sport or sport plus plus. and i guess that i talked in the review also that we printed out that uh, there is a wider gap right now in between the modes but i guess um, as everyone else that goes on the track i almost immediately switched over to sport and sport plus and I could feel the suspension being super super sporty, very bouncy. Once again, it's one of those things you either love it or hate it, but on the track, that's something that I truly enjoy. Of course, the steering input, um, it's got a lot more weight when once you go to the Sport and Sport Plus. It also felt a little bit different than the one in the um, F87 M2. For some reason, a lot more direct, a lot more feedback coming from the from the road, um, even though it's kind of really the same setup as you would get in the M3 and M4. They told me that a lot of the parts from the m4 they're really imported now into the m2 so from brakes suspensions uh, steering racks so on and so forth it's really an m4 disguised into an m2 body really and well, you know pretty crazy yeah i mean you drove the m4, m4 right so i mean yeah. the m4 it, despite its looks you know and controversial and all of that uh, it is a great drive i mean no one can ever deny yeah. that, that car it's not a lot of fun to drive and it's not powerful so Imagine that in a you know smaller car, nimble, a you
0: know, shorter wheelbase, I mean, shorter
1: wheelbase. Yeah. Um, kind of
0: scary, actually.
1: It's actually, <laughs> if I recall correctly, they said it uh, from the back. It's as wide, so the track it's as wide as the M4. So you this basically really, store with the M4's
0: got a wide track. Exactly. wide. I
1: mean, you can see those shoulders. I mean, they're really out there. I mean, they're really wide. Kind of, kind of reminds me of the one I M mean, in in a way, and um, that stance. Uh, it's really something actually to see it in real life. So yeah, so M2 manual, of course, you know, um, uh, it's a lot easier to to drive an automatic on the track. So, you know, you don't have to think too much. It kind of does all the work for you. Yeah. But even with the red matching, you still have to pay a lot more attention when you drive an M2 manual on track, especially when it's rainy. I'd never been on that track before, so that was quite interesting. So it took me a while to learn it, but luckily we had plenty of laps to do that. So um, I got faster and faster with every lap, basically, and I started to learn the car. The brakes were fantastic. So there were a few times when I really pushed the car into corners and started to slide and wanted to see how good the brakes are, and they were fantastic. I mean, same brake setup as the m 4 and once again, um, it can save you, especially in those tricky situations. So, um, yeah, and then uh, I guess we jump immediately into the um, M2 8-speed automatic, so there is no dual clutch, of course. And once again, that's the transmission that we all know, ZF 8-speed, very smooth, very precise. Honestly, yep. it was a lot faster driving that car on the track. Of course, right. that applies to me, really. I mean, somebody that's a fantastic pro driver or even a semi-pro driver, they probably uh, be just as fast with both transmissions, but in my case, I'm always a lot faster with the automatic, especially when I have to film in the car and talk at the same time.
0: Yeah. you have to th- you have to think less about other things. You can focus more on your, you know, getting your apexes right and you know doing all that when you have one less thing to think about. So, I, I'm the same way. I'm so much slower with a manual on track because thinking about, you know, we don't have to rev match because they do it for you. But like you're just trying to get the gears right and just trying to. Get everything you know you want to get set up into a corner like better and i get it it's so much easier than automatic just yeah exactly
1: i mean it's honestly it was a lot more fun driving especially it was rainy so i mean it was kind of wet. it was a wet pavement and um it was a little bit tricky with that but um that's why i enjoyed the automatic a lot more if i were to buy this m2 honestly i'll i'll get the manual just because i know there's not going to be another one in the future. I mean, this is the last M2 of its kind anyway and we've talked about this quite a bit I don't think we'll ever see an M2 like this with a 6 cylinder gasoline no. and a manual transmission also we're actually one of the few markets probably gets the manual anyway So,
0: a question about the manual is the manual itself the same as the M3 and M4 because I, I don't like it in the M3 and M4 it's like the clutch is weird and like it's too, like it's too uh, vague. The, shift, the actual shift action is too vague. and I don't like it very much in the M three. Like I just had the M three for like a week, a couple weeks ago, and like it, it was just, it was actually making me nuts driving it around. Like the, the clutch is weird, has like a weird springy action in the middle, and it's dead at the bottom then like dead at the top it's like this weird
1: i see i don't have to drive it like on the on the road maybe to kind of pay attention yeah
0: to uh, on track you're kind of like
1: kind of track i was constantly you know using that yeah.
0: Uh,
1: yeah paddle so yeah so i'm not sure honestly i mean i guess when the real test drives uh, will happen so we'll see at that time you know how that's uh how that's compared to the m3 and m4 if there, was, if there were any changes there i didn't even ask we did an interview with the VP of engineering uh, it's on our YouTube channel so you can check that out it's quite interesting and informative but that's one thing that I didn't ask cuz I didn't really honestly think about it much so yeah. but um I'll write it down and remind me uh, next time to um take care of that question okay but yeah so um yes yeah, so overall honestly like i said a uh, fantastic car to me uh, I've I've always loved the smaller m cars i've said that before and the F87 is the current one Yeah, so um, I I always have a lot more fun when I drive a smaller M car and always exactly the same thing this time around. And once again, like I said, you know, it starts truly as an M2 CS and that's a great value proposition because the car is probably not going to be, you know, cheap. It'll definitely be uh, more expensive than what the previous M2 competition was. But at least, you know, that you're getting a, you know, um, capable car and something that you might feel it's worth the money actually and I think it is honestly and I'm actually excited to see if they're going to make an M2 CS in the future how that car is going to be I mean if they bump up the power a little bit and they put on some some racing parts and all of that I think it will be a future classic no doubt
0: W has earned itself a lot of goodwill with the CS cars recently because both recent CS cars this M2 and the M5 are like the best cars bmw's done it like since the 1m so you know it's they've, they've earned themselves a lot of goodwill and i think a lot of people are going to be super excited for any new cs to come m3 m2 they're all going to be you know super exciting
1: yeah no i mean i guess this one they're definitely nailed it i don't i don't even see what they could have done better honestly i mean Course, you can always uh, get better suspension on it, and so there will be a lot of aftermarket parts, and you can do a few tricks here and there. But I guess just the fact that you're getting carbon buckets, it's also and oh, getting, yeah, it
0: does get the carbon buckets, yeah, you're right? Getting
1: that, you're also getting, um, like I said a brake system from the M3 and M4, uh, cooling system also coming from that car, you know, the engine, of course. So, truly is a smaller M4. In my opinion, you know, it's got a decent design. I know some people still don't like maybe the front end and the rear, but I feel like it's a lot better than the M3 and M4. Yeah, and, like a lot um, better. <laughs> even without camouflage on, it just looked really good. Actually, I was surprised of the feedback that I got from people when they saw that uh, 50 years mm-hmm. of M camouflage. It was, it was but, a
0: cool factory camo.
1: Yeah, exactly. People people were asking yeah. if they can actually purchase that, which is <laughs> extremely interesting. You know. Yeah. that was cool yeah so that's kind of the M2 there is no X-Drive so right now the car is set up as a rear-wheel drive despite what some people might have said out there but yeah just rear-wheel drive honestly they might make an X-Drive I don't think that's totally off the table but um, it's a long production cycle the next 7 years so I guess if they want to do an X-Drive they can definitely do that I mean they have it in the M240i so It wouldn't be um, a huge development cost to add that but of course it comes with additional testing and all of that so it'll be interesting to see i mean um, initially i thought that the m2 should stay a rear wheel drive and then i was looking at some of the comments on social media our youtube channel also the website a lot of people are actually requesting the x-drive which is extremely surprising because i always thought that people want a lightweight m2 versus a heavier one but it's already um, pretty heavy though so yeah it'll definitely be heavier i mean they can They can definitely bump up the power a little bit. I mean we know that engine can do a lot more. So they can definitely bump it up. Um they could put that X drive from the M two forty I on and you'll definitely have a a all year round M two then basically. I guess that's the that's the thing some people mentioned. You know they live on the in the snow belt areas for example and they just wanna have an M two that they can drive all year round without having to worry about, you know, winter tire setup and all of that, even though you should do that anyway. (laughs) <laughs> but um remains yeah. to be seen. I guess there are no plans at the moment, but, you know, knowing BMW and BMW M, especially when they have a seven-year s- cycle for a car, they can definitely do a lot of things with their car, especially considering that this is the last of its kind. So we'll see what happens. I mean, um, maybe the Loon M2 CS with the X-Drive, never know. But I do expect a few interesting M2s to come out, I mean, even maybe special editions and things like that, because uh, being the last of its kind, they should definitely... Um, do something cool with uh, with this particular model.
0: Why not, right? They're never gonna do it again. They're never gonna get the chance again. So even if it's like, they come up with an idea that's cool, maybe not like a crazy money maker. Like, what? Like when are they gonna get the chance to do anything like that again? So, cause the next one will at least be hybrid, you know? So.
1: So I guess the final point on this one, somebody asked me um, if, I would, if I would buy the M2 or the M4. I mean, to me, it's an all-brainer, the M2. But, of course, that comes with, you know, smaller space inside and all of that. But from a fun perspective, I always feel like the M2 will give you a lot more. It was the same thing with the F87 M2 competition and the M2 CS. So if you're looking yeah. for that, you know, um, ultimate M car, I think today it's the M2 that will give you that more than any other other models, basically. I mean, you can get a lot more power in the M3, M4, or the M5, or even the M8, but from a fun perspective, I feel like the M2 is the one that truly delivers.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I get that. It looks awesome, and uh, I'm super excited to drive it myself. Um, it's just like the, you know, the 2 Series is a really, even just the standard 2 Series is a really good car, so I can imagine that, you know, making a real M version of it's going to be pretty awesome. So I'm stoked to drive it.
1: Yeah, so uh, that's kind of like a nice segue into the, um, maybe the M4 CSL because there is a special yeah. car. And um, the unveil was actually at Villa d'Este, so I saw the car there. I think I spoke about that. But um, I went to actually Goodwood Festival of Speed for the first time. It was quite an adventure um, to get there and all of that. But um, a fantastic <laughs> event, first of all. Really, really interesting event. I um, didn't know what to expect. I've been to um, other car events in the world, but this is quite unique and something that anyone should actually experience. It is all about sports cars and fast cars and all of that. And um, uh, the M4CSL was there, basically. And as, uh, as the event goes, basically, they have the hill climb where any car that's present really can go up the hill you know, and record the time and all of that. So um, when the opportunity came up and they said, do you want to go up the hill in the M4CSL or M3 Touring? You know, I said let's do the M4 CSL because I feel like that's no Yeah, I guess like the M3 Touring, I probably have a chance to drive it and have a you know a test drive with that car. But cool. the M4 CSL, they are not too many, so I don't think a lot of people get a chance to actually test drive that car.
0: Yeah, plus the M3 Touring, as amazing as it is, isn't going to feel any different than an M3, and you've driven the M3 before, so like
1: yeah, I mean, that's would a no-brainer. Be cool. M4 CSL. That'd been cool because that'd have been one of the first to really ride in yeah, three touring, so that would be but cool. But you were but also
0: one of the first to be was four
1: CSL. I was definitely one of the first, actually, because I was just thinking about that after the event. I think outside, outside BMW, I don't think a lot of people, actually nobody out from outside BMW, and from what I know, actually had a chance to ride in the car. So I was not allowed to drive it, but I didn't have a chance to ride in the car. So um, I, also, I was also very fortunate to um, have as my driver York, He's the same guy that set the uh, Nurburgring, you know, fastest lap time with the M4 CSL. He also did the M3 Touring, mm-hmm. and you know, raced the 24 Hours and won there. So, um, as you was can imagine. the
0: guy? we see the guy that drove Joe Achilles in the M3 Touring and put it into the hay? Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. He just went full send and just. Put it right into the hay bale kept going it was awesome
1: yeah that was frank i think so
0: oh was it frank i thought it was york okay. or maybe
1: it, i think he took a ride with both it was frank and new york and I, from what i know they're kind of the top testing guys for for dm um uh not hq but the m uh, facility they mm-hmm. have at the north and i guess the the two of them really test a lot of the cars there and especially the m3 and m4s i think it was them that really spent the time with those cars so um, they knew the car really well. And the uh, same thing with York. I mean, honestly, he went up that hill. He really pushed that car. I mean, it's a, <laughs> it's a short drive, or it's a short ride up the hill, but he really pushed it. And I recall before uh, leaving the, um, the paddock, there was mm-hmm. one other driver that, that's been doing this for quite some time, and he's kind of giving us some tips, you know, and all of that. And then um, after we went up the hill, he came up to York and he's like, oh, so you know how to drive? And I was like, yeah, this guy is good. <laughs> <laughs> so he was definitely one of the fastest in that batch, basically, but fantastic car. I mean, honestly, you can really see what the M4 CSL can do in capable hands. He pushed it to all the right. limit. I mean, like you said, almost close to the hay and all those corners and all of that. But um, yeah, it just uh, a thrilling experience and super, super fun. I wish I could have done it longer, but even those you know 45 seconds, 60 seconds, yeah. whatever that was, they were uh, they were quite exciting. So it um, gives me hope that I can um, maybe one day take the M4 CSL on, on a track on my own, maybe even like on the road to kind of see how it compares to the regular M4. But I did ask you know, York basically, and he said that, you know, it's really, it's really set up to be a track weapon. So if you want to take that car to the track, you don't need to adjust it too much. You will, be, um, you will have a r- real track weapon uh, on your right. hands, basically. But then, of course, you, know, you can add a lot of things to it to make it even better. But that was, a, that was quite exciting. Um, even though, surprisingly, being at the festival of speed, I felt like the M3 Touring got more attention than the M4 CSL. Granted, it's in England.
0: they like their wagons,
1: yeah, that too. I mean, I mean, it was the UK, so clearly they love their wagons, but um, maybe also because the M4 CSL was unveiled maybe a month before, and now the m Touring Probably was really yeah. the first time they've unveiled it, and they've and also picked a couple the first of
0: first one ever,
1: yeah, the first one ever, yeah,
0: like there have been CSLs before,
1: exactly. So, um yeah so that was the m4 csl and that you know let's talk about the m3 touring like i said you know m3 touring was unveiled there they had a frozen black one with m performance parts absolutely stunning i mean that car looks so good i mean i wish i was in europe so i could buy one absolutely really good looking and they also yeah. had a daytona violet i think
0: yeah, I think yeah it was daytona
1: exactly. violet and actually um funny story it was actually one of the uh, PR guys from M that picked the color, you know, that was his input because he felt like The crowds will enjoy a very unique color on the M3 yeah. Touring and that was the right choice
0: Yeah, actually I literally just wrote an article today. how I think purple is the best color for it Because like it looks so good in dark colors and like purple adds that pop of something, you know bright So it looks really good in purple. It looked great with purple with gold wheels, but the frozen black one had gold wheels I think it would have looked better if they swapped the wheels on those two.
1: Yeah, but I'm going to pass on the message yeah. to Martin then. But, you know, nonetheless, yeah. he did a really great Tom job pick picking that color.
0: It. Yeah, no, it, w- it looked really good. It looked really good, purple.
1: So, be um, a tough choice. I was looking at both cars side by side. I was like, hmm, which one would I pick? I still love the black. I mean, the black just looked really good, honestly. That frozen black, especially it was rainy a little bit. And with the water beads on it, uh, it was just <laughs> really nice. He also had some performance parts that made it look a lot better, too and uh, as i've always said I, I like the dark colors on the m3 and m4 because it blends in with the kidney grill a little bit more so that's one uh, yeah
0: it does hide the grill a little bit yeah. so you don't get the full impact of it yeah. which is good
1: exactly so two yeah so now the m3 touring there as we said you know it's not coming to the us unfortunately multiple reasons but um, i guess it is what it is at this point i don't think that decision is going to change And very unfortunate it's a great car if you live in europe and you have the chance to buy it go go for it it's an absolute no-brainer i've talked to someone from um, actually luxembourg um really you know big bmw customer and even he's having a hard time actually getting one of the first units in the country so he's on a very long wait list and i guess that's the same in you know, Ballocks area and also in Germany. So it is not an easy car to get. Same thing in the UK. I think Joe Achilles actually managed to get his hands on one. So did he,
0: he get an allocation?
1: Yeah, he put an order for one. Yeah, so we, we need I to talk I knew he to wanted
0: everyone. to, but I don't know if he was able to snag, we gotta get him on the podcast, talk about it.
1: Yeah, he did, he did. We don't know the specs yet, That's That's as, as always. He's probably not gonna reveal that till towards the end. Makes sense, trying to build some hive. But uh, I'm happy for him because I would do the same thing. I would absolutely buy that car if I were to live in the UK. And Man, uh, that,
0: that's his third M3 in like a year. If he gets that,
1: in these times you probably don't lose money on any of these cars, so you can drive them for a while no, and still sell he them. He said
0: he made money on the first yeah. one. He said he sold it for, he traded it and he got more money or something. So I if he
1: made money on that one, he's going to make money on the M3 Touring, even if he drives it for the next five years. But honestly, yeah, yeah, that's I'll one car that I would that. not sell because I don't even. Aside from the fact that they might not make an M3 Touring like this, they might not even make an M3 Touring at all, actually. So might as well buy this one. I mean, it's absolutely absolute no brainer. Hold
0: on to it for 25 years, then sell it and retire?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah who knows? I mean, who knows what's going to happen with the gasoline power cars in the future and all the electric around them. So, yeah, yeah so M3 Touring are yeah, quite exciting, actually. Um, there was another thing there that was kind of like semi unveiled. It just popped into my mind. Um, they started to tease the uh, 3.0 CSL. So um, mm-hmm. I knew before they, the speech started, they're going to tease it a little bit. I don't think a lot of people picked up on it, but I did. And I wrote a story on it immediately, but they started to talk about that. And then a few days later, they actually showed the first photos of the 3.0 CSL. So that's the car that we've talked about for a long time. So I guess we were some of the first people to know about we were that definitely one. the first. Yes, yeah. I guess we yeah, were... Right on. So, (laughs) 3.0 CSL—that's the name. Coach built. They didn't reveal that, of course, but we know that. um,
0: Now, wait—I have a question about the coach built. They say coach built, but wouldn't that suggest that it's built by someone else outside of BMW, like designed rather? I think
1: what coach built really means, from my understanding, is—but of course, we are going to engage them in a conversation about this one when they fully unveil the car, so then we can talk about that and what it means and all of that. But. I, I feel like the coach build car It's really something that's that's off the production line, off the series line, something that needs uh, kind of like a, like a unique body style that it's more manual work than anything else. And I think that's the case with this one too.
0: Yeah, I mean, traditionally though, coach building was like, you know, like Rolls Royce would build a, a rolling chassis and engine and then some other company would buy that and put their own body on it. And that was traditionally coach building. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if like, because it's, it's designed in house still, right?
1: Yeah, it's in house, yeah. So okay. I guess just that maybe "coach build" might not be the right word. Them it might not be the, the terminology. They said that
0: though, didn't they? What was that? Didn't they say "coach build"? Did Isn't they say that, like coach their I don't word? Recall. Oh, okay. I thought that was the, like BMW's terminology. For I honestly,
1: that. don't recall if they used that terminology or not. But if they do, then I guess we'll ask for some clarification. If they don't, then all we know so it's far, far is that deal. it's just... all. All we know so far is that it's really. Uh, a car that's not built on the normal m3 and m4 production line basically so um that's the that's the body body kit that comes with it it's quite unique and you know to that car so not something that they was that's coming from the m4 csl of course the platform and all of that comes from the m3 and m4 actually comes from the entire rear wheel drive family of bmw so um, that's one thing that people were kind of confused a little bit why they have to spend so much money we're going to talk about that uh, on an M4 CSL, but really M4 CSL. Unlike underneath, it's really the same platform with the three series and the four series. So that's not yeah. what really makes it unique. So,
0: well, I mean, there's there's so much they can do with that platform. It's not like it can be, you know Like it, it might drive like the M4. I don't know, but they they can definitely make it different because that that chassis is so good that they could really go crazy with. It. And it's going to be a manual only. I'm hoping that if it's manual only, they're going to put a, some development money into that manual to make it really good. Um, but that car is so bittersweet for me because it looks so good so far. And it looks like what the M4 should have been mm-hmm. to begin with. And it's going to be awesome with all its power and a manual. And it's basically going to be unobtainium. It's going to be, what, $650,000 or something no, I think crazy it's like that?
1: euros like to so, be
0: 50 of them so it's, it's like no one's ever going to see those in re, in real life you know which is a shame because it's so cool
1: uh, never know i mean honestly let's let's talk about the price in one second the one thing that i wanted to to mention and interject in there was the fact that um we've talked about the the uh, 3.0 csl homage design quite a bit in our articles i think if we go back even last year maybe two years ago we said a few times that that's a design they should have used for the grill on the, on the M3 and M4 it was kind of like the middle ground basically Absolutely. it was kind of like a middle ground still quite large still quite obnoxious but not as obnoxious or, or big like current the pretty one.
0: you know like well designed it's big and it's bold but it's like it, it's like well incorporated into the front end you know yeah.
1: so I'm also curious to see what they will communicate when it comes to the design of that car and the reasons why they went with that front end versus the M3 and M4 and they're probably going to say differentiation and all of that but I really want to kind of dig in and try to find out more but regardless, it'll be unique looking uh, hopefully it turns out just as good looking as the um, uh, 3.0 CSL homage cars, those cars were fantastic,
0: yeah, it's gorgeous. they
1: still look good even what's now 6-7 years later, so they unveiled the cars and they look fresh and new so that's a design, yeah. they really stood the time and um, it's great yeah, I and mean, price, yeah, I mean, as we've talked about a little bit like in the past. They haven't mentioned the price yet, right? So they didn't say you know, that's the price, but it's what we've heard. It's what a lot of people have heard. I don't think it's a secret anymore because some buyers are interested, so I guess they have to communicate that. So there were a lot of leaks when it came to pricing, even though we mentioned that early on. Nobody really uh, wanted to believe that, but uh, that was the price. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things. It could have been uh, priced at $2 million, doesn't really matter, or $5 million. It's just the fact that there are only 50 units people that buy it are not going to think in terms of oh is it worth it is it worth more than the m4 CSL? oh yeah no. people are just going to want to buy one of 50 in the world ever for sure. so yeah um,
0: for sure i mean the, the, it's definitely justified in terms of like bmw will sell them mm. that's not going to be an issue it's just so frustrating as a fan to be like oh my god they're finally gonna make this beautiful Awesome thing, and none of us are going to be able to get it like because it's only 50. You know, they're probably going to be sold out in five seconds from you know, billionaire collectors s- scooping them up.
1: You mentioned that before, and I've heard that before too. It, it's, it's really not a fair, um, statement though, because none of us can actually get it. I mean, they made they they priced the M4 CSL, you know, what's what's the M4 CSL 165, 170, whatever it is. I don't even remember, and it's already sold out. So if they repriced that car at a normal price, would it still be sold out? So how many can you really build? If you're no, I
0: know. I'm saying the limiting it to only 50 is my, is the problem because, like, well, the problem for fans, BMW is going to sell it and it's going to be fine. It's going to be great for them, but like you know, it's just disappointing that you know, like, normal fans can't. I don't see it that way. I honestly see, see it as a as a good thing because
1: you have a pineapple car. You have something that's kind of unattainable it kind of builds up the brand a little bit um, if you want a normal M-, M car you can still buy the M4 CSL I mean not really but you could have probably um, if you tried a little bit harder but um, basically it's just a just a unique car so I guess the price tag it's really to um, I don't know maybe to to, to show that, that the value is not really in the car that the value it's really in the being limited I'm not sure, honestly, I'm I'm, I'm okay with the price because I know the people that will buy that car, that's $750,000, it's nothing to them. So it's not someone that, uh, you know, it's cross-shopping with uh, AMG Black or it's cross-shopping with uh, Porsche 911. And it's it's really somebody that wants that car because it's limited more than anything else. So um, I think most of them will end up in Europe anyway because it's not homologated all over the world. In, In the US, it's not homologated, so... Even somebody buys it here, I, I probably have to go through a homologation process, which is costly to be able to drive it on the road. But in Europe, I think majority of the units, from what I know, um, it will be sold in Europe. So hopefully, European car collectors are not like you know the US car collectors, where they like to you know build a mini museum and keep them in there. Maybe they like to drive them. So hopefully, if, if I, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody would actually buy the car and and drive it, just because they can. The same thing as the you know, the Rolls Royce uh, boat tail that I talked about the last time, somebody, you know, just drove the car from um Villa d'Este to Switzerland. I mean the owner, so that's a twenty it's million dollar car. Mode. <laughs>
0: so it's a boss move.
1: Exactly. So
0: get bug um, yeah, it's so bugged on the windshield of a thirty million dollar car with a twenty million dollar car.
1: So I'm okay with, with the pricing honestly even if it'd have been priced at 500,000 people would still be like oh it's too much if it was priced at 300,000 oh it's still too much because it's just an M4CSL if it was priced at 250 people would be like well might might as well buy the M4CSL now because now it's too close to that so if you apply same to uh, to, you know, two million dollars, people will be like, oh, they're crazy. So there is no.
0: I wouldn't. I wouldn't care if it didn't look so much better than the regular M4, the M4 CSL. That face is so much better, and it's like the only way to get it is to spend seven hundred fifty thousand dollars and be lucky, lucky enough you, to get an yeah. allocation on it.
1: I think it's one of those cars so, where they're gonna be picky, and who gets it probably, I don't think it. Anyone can just sign up and get it. Just
0: like. Porsche is with GT RS models and stuff, same thing.
1: So yeah. So it's interesting because I think this might actually open the doors for additional interesting limited edition BMWs. I have a feeling that before they switch over completely to electric, they will build some of these unique one-offs. And um, that's exciting, honestly, more than anything else. So maybe this is more of a marketing trial for them to see how people react to this. But I feel like if this is successful, and if they sold them already, all of them, and it wasn't a hassle to sell them, I feel like it opens the doors to um, create some really special models in the future.
0: Yeah. Ironically, mm-hmm. BMW has only sold, in its history that I can think of, two really, really, really expensive cars, and both were absolute failures. <laughs> the 507 and the M1, M1. were like mm-hmm. sales failures. And, so i can see bmw's hasn't hesitancy to sell something crazy expensive again but the market is so much different now Mm -hmm. so uh, i i think they'll be fine i think they'll sell all 50 no problem yeah so
1: speaking of special cars you know because we've i've hinted at this for quite some time actually in articles but um it was still uh, kind of off the record a little bit but the m 5 touring so The news came out recently, also. So, as I said a few times in articles, BMW is definitely working on special models that uh, they want to bring out. And the M5 Touring was one of them that I've known for quite some time, actually. Um, And surprisingly, it's actually coming to the US, from what I heard. So, if that hasn't changed, it's coming to the US. And um, I guess one of the reasons why, because it's a larger car, and we definitely like larger cars here. So for that reason, I guess they feel like the M5 Touring could be more successful than the M3 Touring here, and of course it's built on a new generation, so it's a lot easier probably to plan ahead of time. Uh, from what I know, the car has been planned for quite some time for the US market, and um, uh, actually the dealers want it here. So
0: they may have seen the um, success of the Audi RS6 Avant.
1: Of course, yeah, I'm sure they looked at that, and uh,
0: I'm, I because have no those doubt. things are still difficult to get. You know, a few years later, they're still tough to get because uh, they're in such high demand. So I can see BMW being like, oh, all right, people will buy these things.
1: So, So, yeah, so that's coming. I mean, there is zero doubt right now. It's absolutely zero doubt the car is coming. Um, We'll see when it's going to be available in the U.S., but with the M5, with the 5 Series launching next year, the M5 usually comes right after that, a few months after, or a year so. We won't see this car probably till 2023, towards 2024. And then probably by that time, we will see a lot of test mules out there, prototypes. So people will finally uh, see what the car looks like. But um, I'm excited for it. I mean, as I said, you know, yeah. this is the right time for BMW to build some unique cars. This is why they're doing the Z4 M40i with a six-speed manual.
0: That's going to be good.
1: Yeah. So might as well i mean have the parts basically to build some really cool cars the cars are very modular these days so you don't have to start from scratch basically with a bespoke platform and all of that so this and is why
0: bmw doesn't want toyota being the only one selling a b58 with a manual that in too. the states
1: i have no <laughs> doubt i mean they probably uh so re- people's reaction to to do, to that news i mean they probably planned their way before that but i'm sure um it was also the reason to infuse some additional life into the uh, Z4. And honestly, yeah. the car, it's fantastic to drive, it looks great, but of course it doesn't sell because it's a roaster and nobody really it's, buys roasters anymore.
0: Yeah, but easily BMW's most underrated car.
1: Agreed. It's such a fun car to drive, honestly, that Z4 M40i, yeah, it yeah. it's a riot, honestly, it's, it's a it's, beautiful it's car. It's hilarious.
0: It's like a hot rod. It's yeah. so powerful, but it's so small, yeah. it's hilarious.
1: That's another car that's going to be a future classic. Zero doubt. I am absolutely yeah. convinced that that car will be a future classic.
0: Yeah, I want to get one when it depreciates real bad, right? Like, in a few years when no one wants it. And then, you know, when people still finally so to recognize how good it is.
1: I'm sure it was easier to buy, like, two or three years ago when it came out. I have no doubt that at that time the, the, the take rate was quite low, so I'm sure there were some deals to be had. But um, the Z4 M48 manual will be an interesting one, so I'm kind of curious to see... Oh, that's going to yeah. be priced, and um, people's reaction to um, to buying the car here in the U.S.
0: Yeah, I'm very excited about that. It's one of my favorite cars BMW makes right now. It's so good, yeah, and like one. can't with wait to manual, that it's one. It's just going to be stupid fun. Let's
1: hear your thoughts on the 230i Coupe because that's another car that I um, actually that I praised quite a bit when I drove it last year or two years ago, actually last year.
0: Because, yeah, so you gotta, uh, to like, me, it
1: felt like it was the most analog uh, BMW that's being sold today. Even though it's not as powerful as the um, M240i, I had a lot of fun driving that car. I was in Palm Springs, so I took a I took some canyon drives around there, and um, it was just it was super fun to drive. Honestly, I never felt like it's underpowered. I I felt more connected with that car than with the M240i. Even though the M240i it's a riot and a blast to drive on the track and off track, but I just felt a lot more connected uh, as far as um, the car and driver with that uh, 23i coupe
0: yeah no for sure i mean i feel a little lame by the way you're like oh i gotta ride an m4 csl goodwood and i am over here driving a four-cylinder two-cylinder okay, but so, Anyway, so,
1: all right so let me so let me back up a little bit that <laughs> it took me a couple of hours actually to get that right. so i was literally uh it was kind of like a master with the, with the uh, organization of that i guess coming back after covid it's a little bit tricky you know and Setting up those, uh, those runs up the hill And I remember that particular batch It was delayed by like a couple of hours So we're literally sitting in the car For like at least an hour and a half uh, You know, just driving slowly Stopping and, and waiting for our turn So two hours later at some point I was running out of uh, GoPro batteries And all of that And uh, yeah, it was, it was a long time To get a, a 60 seconds ride But it was absolutely yeah. worth it So that I'm makes sure you feel a lot better
0: no, no, it doesn't make me feel any better. <laughs> um but uh yeah the two thirty I is a good car. It is it's an interesting car because it's more I think it is more fun than the M two forty I under like most circumstances because like in the real world you really can't use the M two forty I's power that much. You know, it's so fast. So on public roads you're going and like lose your license speed uh really easily so the 230i is this really good blend of like moderate approachable power but because it's so much lighter in the front end the steering feels a little bit better and because it's well the wine test it was rear-wheel drive so like um you know it, the steering is less corrupted and it's just kind of like it just felt like you said it's the most analog bmw and that's probably true it, it you know it reminded me of like it reminded me of like an old E46 or something like that, where it's not really that fast, but that's not the point. You know, it's more fun. Just it's kind of it's balanced, um, it's easy, it's approachable. You can chuck it into a corner. You're not worried about the tail biting you because it's so has so much power. Uh, you're not worried about getting into way too crazy speeds too easily. You know, it's just that a real nice package. It's a really nice blend of, uh, you know, approachability and fun. And it's still pretty quick, and it's still fun. It's a great engine. Doesn't sound very good, but whatever. It's it's you know it's a it's a good it's a really good little car. I wish it came with a manual, um, but it doesn't. But the eight-speed is really good. Um, it's it's interesting. Uh, it, what else is interesting is it's in a weird category because it's the only coupe in its class. The only other cars in its class are sedans like the Audi A3, the Mercedes A-Class. Um, so it's weird i'm not sure who the customer is exactly because like you have to be like a young well maybe not a young but you have to be a uh, person who can afford that car because even with some options it's over 40 grand uh without it has to be either a second car or you don't have children um so i'm, I'm kind of curious as to who the the customer is but whoever it is they're gonna have fun because it's a really good little car yeah
1: no i mean it's um i feel like it's the best entry level. BMW one can buy today or basically I remember seeing that in my review as well if you want to get into the BMW brand it's the best car to do so um, now with az 4 m M40i manual I would say maybe that's the one but um, would, that's much but, more expensive though yeah it is more expensive yeah so this will still be yeah, the more entry level but uh, yeah absolutely I mean if you it, it's a good way to fall in love with the brand and what it stands for when it comes to driving dynamics and i guess that car will give you the most um, bmw ultimate driving machine kind of driving dynamics than any other yeah. new ones um, it just feels a lot more from the past and uh, from the newer batch and um uh, that engine if you want to get more power it's easily uh tunable as well so you can definitely do that exhaust yeah Yeah. exactly so you can really uh, tune that up a little bit more if you want more power
0: also really 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 overlooked point it looks so much better than the 4 series it's like that that whole front end it's funky and it's a little Mm -hmm. bit different the headlights are a little weird but the grill is like really really good looking especially in person it kind of reminds me a little bit of the z8s grill which is a really good thing Hmm. and um you know it just its proportions are right The when you look at it from the side though the way the hood is kind of like really flat and drops off is weird Hmm. but for the most part it's a really cool looking little car and it comes in purple like how cool is that um it's, it's it's a cool looking car Mm -hmm. you know especially if you're a young person like your 30s and you're an executive and you're you know you're a young executive you've got a little bit of money you can afford something cool and sporty like it's a really sharp car for someone like that because it it's i don't know it has like a has a cool little presence like it's Mm -hmm. it looks fun you know yeah but the four series kind of looks a little too grown up you know it's very smooth and Mm soft and has a giant grill too but so i I think it's fun looking i think that's important
1: yeah it's interesting you mentioned the um the hood and how it drops and i I've, I've heard that comment uh, quite a bit and i've seen it and i do recall asking the designers about that so a lot of those design choices are not really driven by aesthetics but they're driven by pedestrian regulations and a bunch of other safety issues so that's why you see a lot of the the strange things happening at the front sometimes and it's not really because they can't do it any better it's really because they have to um, comply mm-hmm. with with some of those regulations and that's where you see some of the shark noses coming back and a lot of other things and i've always wanted to kind of dive into this topic a lot more with the design team and i'm kind of work on that story actually that's a good reminder now because i truly want them to kind of explain how some of those potential regulations and other safety regulations impact design at the front end for example so that way we kind of can give a more accurate answer when it comes to why the hood looks that way or why the kidney grill it's a little slanted and so on and so forth but from what I from what I understood and you know, some of those conversations with the design team it's it's really just driven by that so it's not like they couldn't do it any better
0: right well I mean to be honest I don't think it's that big of a deal like it's a little odd but it's not bad looking you know what I you know what I mean like it's yeah. not ugly it's just a little awkward and you get used to it real quick but for the most part i think it's a really fun looking little car and i think for someone it's it's target audience i'm gonna uh, just from driving i'm gonna say it's probably relatively young like you said it's an entry Mm -hmm. level kind of bmw so i'm gonna say like someone in their 30s um and for someone like that it looks fun that's important when you're buying something like that. You know, when you're buying a sports car, you want it to look fun. And one of my biggest complaints with the four series is that it's a little too grown up. It looks a little too boring. And uh, I think the two series is a really cool little car. And it like and yeah, it's fun to drive. It's great. It's a great little car. Good on great on gas. Like it's it's awesome.
1: Yeah, I mean that engine is very efficient. Yeah, no, I mean honestly, there are very few faults you can find to that car. I mean, you you'll have to really go for it. I but, mean, you um, have to
0: really be. My only, my only fault and I don't, I don't think it's really that important because I don't think it's going to matter to the people buying it is that it does lack feel like feedback quite a bit so it's pretty numb but it delivers you know what I mean so like the steering is responsive even though you don't get any feedback it you know the front end is very responsive so it's, I don't think it's really that much of an issue but uh, plus the people who are buying it are looking for something more premium anyway so like that kind of way works for them
1: yeah, and I think we need to as, as reviewers we need to get over the fact you know the steering feedback and all of that I mean it's just it's not a mechanical steering any, anymore people want more comfort in the steering than ever before and yeah. if, even though yeah. we complain sometimes when we get something that's a little bit too twitchy and all of that we're like oh that's too twitchy you know it's bouncy but if, you, if I'm driving my 1M that thing it's twitchy and bouncing like crazy yeah that's really, fun it's you, fun. you think it's fun, but it's fun for like a little bit. But if you drive it more than a few hours, it is not fun anymore. Trust me, you just want to
0: park that's it. That's why. And, but that's the one M. You know yeah. what I mean? Like if you don't want that, you buy a three series or whatever. You know. Yeah, so like, and I think I don't think it would matter. I mean like no one complains about Audis or Mercedes having numb steering because they kind of always have. Yeah. BMW was the king of steering feel, you know what I mean? Like an E46 was like one of the most talkative steerings like ever. You know, aside from a Porsche, BMW was the, the, the like, reign supreme when it came to steering feel. So that's why I think it kind of is disappointing. Like even my E90 has great steering feel compared to, to modern BMWs. And it, you know, I get why BMW does it because that's what the customer wants now. But yeah. it, it's a little like, okay, I kind of wish for some old school bmw but again i don't care so much when the steering does what i ask like if i'm putting in in, like input in the steering is sharp and responsive i'm okay with that and uh that's what the two series is it's very responsive so it's it's ultimately not a big deal
1: yeah when i review cars these days I, i don't pay as much attention to steering as i used to anymore truly focus more on the daily driving experience, more on the technology that's available and things like that so I'm starting to shift my mentality quite a bit also because I realized that these cars are really meant to be daily driven and not really just for the track and for you know, fun days so um, I feel like that's what the customer really wants today and um, of course you want to go more for an extreme sports car and you know, there are options out there like Porsche and that, that people can go and buy a true You know, sports car if they want to, but I guess with BMW, it's always been that thing. You know, the dual character, as they call it. You know, you're getting two cars in one if you want to by adjusting it. But yeah, you're never gonna please everyone, I guess, and that includes us basically.
0: No, and I guess BMW was excluding back in the day was excluding the people who wanted a more comfortable car, and now they switched.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it it is possible. I I mean, I'm sure they looked at data and. They've done, you know, these study clinics and all of that and research to see what people are really looking for. But if you look at some of the newer BMWs, when you when you read the comments and all of that, you see that people really talk more about the, the screen sizes and, you know, tablet sizes. Oh, it's and heartbreaking. Uh, talk about the iDrive A versus iDrive 7. And they talk about, you know, car play. I mean, you see more comments like this than you would see, you know, discussions on the steering or the suspension. Oh, the brakes. I get it, man.
0: I get it. The customer is different so, nowadays.
1: I guess that the biggest story in the BMW world, you know, the last two weeks uh, was really the subscription model, and it kind of blew up. I kind of saw it coming, kind of expected it to blow up in the US, but it really blew up. So just kind of to give yeah. a quick overview for people that maybe have missed the story, but there was mm-hmm. a um, there was a database error in South Korea and basically yeah, it's called a connected store or connected drive store. And there was a um, database error and one of the option that, that kind of trickled into that uh, offering there was the um, heated seats, basically. So it was an $18 a month you know, um, you know currency conversion to US dollar uh, to uh, rent, lease, or however you wanna call it, a heated seat feature in your car. So of course, you know, the story um, got picked up by US outlets in the UK. And I guess the UK had that feature in there already, but it only started to um, come to life once the, the US outlets picked up the story from South Korea. They fixed that error the next day, but by that time it was too late. So of course the story spread like fire in the US and most of the headlines really read, you know, BMW is now charging for, you know, uh, monthly fees on heated seats and so on. It was on for always so a
0: week. That Ford. was the only thing about
1: BMW on the news. It was, yeah, I mean, it was everywhere. CNN, I mean, New York Times, I've mm-hmm. seen it everywhere. Um, and honestly, once we started, initially I thought it was a non-story because I kind of knew how that subscription model works and what's the reason behind it. Then, of course, we started to approach that story and we wrote our own take on it. And then we reached out to BMW. They gave us a first statement. So we we're able to put it out and kind can of explain a little bit more. But my initial understanding was, and it still is, that... Basically, uh, in the US, they said that 90% of the cars, the BMW cars are ordered anyway with heated seats. So customers pick that option anyway, regardless. But in other markets like Europe, cars are not as loaded as they are in the US, and a lot of customers don't want to really pay more upfront. Yet, they do have the option with that particular subscription model to add some of those you know, features and options that they didn't want to pay upfront. So, if we talk about let's say like a like a specific market germany basically um you're you're buying the car with a heated seat option in there but you're not being charged for it up front so basically what i'm assuming is that bmw eventually will probably equip uh, most of their cars with a heated seat uh, feature mostly because uh, it streams line their production line and suppliers and all of that and um You're not paying for that up front, and they're saying that it's not going to be baked into the price anyway. But you do have the option to rent it. So when it comes to the European market, it absolutely makes sense because if you live in Germany and it's winter three months a year, you can only you know rent that feature basically during those months, and then you can turn it off and do it again next year. And of course, it makes a lot more sense if you lease the car versus if you buy it. You know. Upfront, and you, you keep the car for 10 years, then of course, you should always probably just pay for that thing upfront. And do have the option to either buy it upfront from the factory or you can actually purchase the subscription as a one time fee versus paying you know in different installments. Basically, now when it comes to the US, basically, since most of the cars come anyway with that, the customers are already not from the factory, doesn't really apply here yet. Let's assume that BMW in the future equips most of their cars with heated seats standard and you are not being charged for it. That's exactly what they said. Then, once again, you have the option here to pay for heated seats. But I guess the example with the heated seats is a little bit more extreme. I guess some of the microservices, as they're being called, will really apply to things like um, hardware that's already installed in the car. And I mentioned in the article, and BMW mentioned in the press release too, but I think I wrote about that even before they said that. Uh, there were features like you know um, the cameras inside the car that they mm-hmm. they're using them for for different functions and parking and all of that. They can they can use the same the same features for other the the same hardware for different features. So now you can actually rent some of these features. And one of them they were talking about was a drive recorder, basically. So you can pay for that if you want to record your drive. You don't have to have an additional hardware in your car like from a third party or aftermarket. So that's one thing that I mentioned here. Um, I went even further because I remember going to an event in Munich a few months ago with a 7 Series prototype and I drove the car and one of the workshops was really all about autonomous driving and level two, level three, so on and so forth. And basically I learned that the 7 Series would be the one that will bring level three to market basically. And uh, at that time, if I recall correctly, I don't have it in recording or writing. But if I recall correctly, you know, I, I learned that the hardware in the car will be identical to a level two and level three. It won't really come to the customer. It will really come down to the customer if they want to activate the level two or level three, basically software feature in the car. So in that case, once again, it makes sense if the hardware is built into the car already because it's all those lighters are already needed for level two. But if you want to get level three, then I do see myself, for example, taking a very long road trip from you know Illinois to Ohio where the, the drive could be quite boring you know it's quite flat and I would pay let's say ten dollars for two days to rent a level three for the car to drive me there I would absolutely do it so that's one use case you know that I see personally being useful for me but of course I mean um, um I'm sure there'll be some other services that might make sense more than others and I guess what they're trying to say is that each market will kind of Uh, including that store their own offerings and whatever they think makes sense the most. But yeah, the heat seats was the one that really kind of blew up here. But essentially, uh, the story is this. If you paid for it up front from the factory, you don't have to, you were not going to be charged as a subscription on the car. If you sell the car to someone else and the car was equipped from the factory, basically with that, and it was paid for it up front, then the customer that buys the car will actually get that too. That was my understanding. So... I don't know if that's going to change or if that's going to stay true in the future, but that was the understanding today that you will kind of, you know, transfer over. And that's, um, that's what I think. I'm not sh- 100% sure that's uh, what BMW is saying exactly, but that was my understanding.
0: Yeah, I think just to play devil's advocate, I think the big concern was, one, it wasn't articulated well in the original articles that came out of the South Korea thing that there was going to be a perma buy option like an ability to just buy it in total for five hundred dollars or whatever
1: no no they actually was like
0: pay for heated no it actually one. was
1: so if if you look at the original story and anybody has the role it there was uh, we actually said that it was like 400 and something dollars the you our original story yeah in our original story and other stories but too so other outlets picked it up too so in in the store there was they an did, option.
0: But they did, but it wasn't like um, it wasn't expressed. People were like kind of put that as a footnote, and it, that's why it, it, I think that was a, big, a the big problem with the communication was that a lot of people assumed that there wasn't going to be some kind of ability to permanently buy it. I think that's what caused the outrage a little bit. The communication from who though? That's my that's what the was, outlets, the outlets. Yeah, yeah, I mean the outlets that yeah. were picking it up. That, that like there wasn't a lot of um, you, you know they they went with a splashy headline. You know bmw's charging and then didn't articulate that well um and i think that's what caused a little bit of the confusion but i think what bothers people is the heated seats thing is like like you said with all those features like autonomous driving you know level two level three the hardware is already in the car you're just paying for a software upgrade for your, your uh, leasing a software upgrade to level three but with heated seats it's a very mechanical feature right mm-hmm. like it's already in the car so i think it weirded people out to be like "Well, i have it in, it's in my seat it's under my ass mm-hmm. but i can't use it because i didn't pay my monthly heated seat fee yeah. and i think that that might upset people but um it, i think as long as the the option to buy it outright up front exists and bmw because bmw is going to have to put the heated seats in every single car to, to do that, right? Because if you want to turn the option on, yeah, and of course. it's not there, it's not going to turn on, obviously. Yeah. So they have to put heated seats in every single car. So as long as BMW, and when we talk about this, as long as BMW doesn't like double dip, so to speak, and raise the MSRP to cover their cost of putting the heated seat in every single car, and mm-hmm. then on top of that, charge monthly a monthly subscription, as long as they don't do that, there's really, there, there isn't an issue. As long as they give you the option to do both, um, without increasing the initial MSRP of the car, um, I think I, I don't see a problem. We just have to hope that BMW, like the, like a, the, it's like a sort of gentleman's agreement almost between customers and BMW, you have to hope that they're going to say, yeah, we're not going to do that. We're not going to double dip on the cost there. Um, and then, like you said, in the future, they're not going to like say the first customer buys it and they sell it third party you know they sell it to, to whoever like on you know marketplace or mm. craigslist or whatever they just sell it and the second person takes over you know that option is isn't it doesn't become deleted and they have to now pay for it again via mm. subscription or whatever so as long as they don't do that which there's really no guaranteeing they won't you know it's kind of just we have to just take their word for it at this point but as long as they don't do that it's fine you know there, there's no issue as long as you can the initial customer can per. Uh, you know, buy it up front and then it, it stays throughout the, throughout the life of the car without any additional MSRP costs. I think that is perfectly fine.
1: I think there are a couple of points there. So, same thing happened to the CarPlay basically. There was a huge um, discussion around that when BF was trying to charge for that. And now CarPlay is standard. We, we just don't know if that price is now baked into the MSRP. We just don't know, right? Like, right. unless they specifically point to that line we just don't know so it could be the same thing but um the second point really was on that that uh, i am not a you know a supply and logistics expert by n- any means but i am assuming and i've heard this topic before from other actually automakers that um by um, by having just one skew for a seat basically or having one supplier for a seat you could actually save money in the long run versus having you know different type of seats and different suppliers and now you have the production processes that come with uh, a non-heated seat versus a heated seat so maybe there are some savings there that uh, any automaker could actually get out of this by streamlining and offering them a standard anyway built into the car and that way they don't have to pass on that cost to the consumer yet the consumer gets the option to rent the feature when it's needed but again that's what's today. I don't know what's going to be in the future. I don't know what BMW plans to do. This was was communicated today, and we can only go by that. Um, it's it's easy to speculate, but uh, or to assume things. But honestly, we don't know. So um, we're just going to go about whatever it was communicated today, and um, let's hope the prices are going to be kept in check for a while, even though yeah, you know, no, all the car prices. I, I, have kind of
0: I think it's fine for right now. You know, as long as things. Yeah, I mean,
1: let's play this scenario—the more positive one—because um, you've already played the negative one. So, let's assume they're all coming standard, right? Uh, you live in New Jersey, right? So, you live in New Jersey. Your winter is probably four months, maybe November through February, March—five
0: months. Mm, it's like yeah, late November to like March. All right. So, so think about it. So, you're paying—you
1: would pay upfront uh, for that feature, close to, right? It was five hundred dollars or whatever. Some cars a little bit more for the heated Let's say five hundred dollars and you're leasing the car for two years, basically, and you're only paying, I don't know, eight months out of the two years for heated seats, let's put it at $20, not $18, whatever they said. So you're paying $360, basically, versus $500 uh, if you would have paid up front. So it's kind of like winning at that point, right? Now, of course, if you get the car longer for three years, four years, five years, then... Yeah. paying up front makes a lot more sense but you do have the option i do like the fact that i do have the option i can plan ahead i can i can try out the feature for a month maybe and then say well, okay this is useful for me i'm gonna purchase it up front because i plan on keeping this card for five years and it's kind of if i paid up front i'm better off than actually you know paying a, a monthly fee on it or um i was just thinking about this and i don't think i put it in the article too but it could become a selling point for the dealership too, because there are some things there that are very interesting with the dealership too. I'm sure there'll be a lot of processes changing with the subscription. Who gets the money? Is it the BMW? Is it the dealership? I'm, I'm sure it's complicated there too, but that's a different topic. But uh, it could become a selling point for a dealership. Um, let's say in December they run a promotion and they say if you buy a BMW in December, we will throw in uh, six months free or a year free of subscription on heated seats or whatever. So it might be a selling point or um, any other feature. You can take up any other feature that they could run a promotion on it, basically.
0: Yeah, no, I, I get it. I totally get the, the, the benefits, especially on BMW side, because, like you said, one ski on a seat is a lot cheaper, especially when 90% of cars are equipped with heated seats. So it's just a lot easier. I get the, I get the positives. I really do. Um, it just, you have to... <laughs> it becomes like... I have you ever seen, like... You know, futuristic dystopian sci-fi movies like Blade Runner and uh, you know Minority Report. Things become like it's. It sounds funny to rent heated seats. You know what I mean? Because it's such a mechanical feature that's in your like in your seat. Like it seems funny to me, and I think to a lot of people, to to rent it. So, uh, is there a problem with it? No, there isn't. It just seems odd. You know, and it's not the, the the way things have been for hundred years of selling cars so it's just it's new and it's a little odd and i think people kind of flipped out real quick uh then if you if you think about it it's not a big deal but it was kind of funny also we we gave tesla flack for when they started doing subscription-based services for for a lot of things and you know I think you have to be fair. And if you're going to, if people are going to criticize one brand, you have to criticize all brands when they do things. And, uh, you know, you have to make sure that you have to hope that BMW is going to keep the customer's best interest and, in, you know, at heart with something like that. So as long as, you know, as long as they keep it the way it is now, it's fine.
1: Yeah. I mean, um, I think in the end there'll be some things that'll make sense more than others and I guess they will over time they'll figure out which ones those microservices make sense uh, more than others and keep them in the stores maybe remove some I'm sure it's a learning curve there and um, they will continue to refine that but yeah it was an interesting story and I'm actually happy that everyone covered it because you kind of um, brought forward the conversation and were able to kind of go deeper into the into the topic and get some more answers so yeah um, We'll see how that evolves and somehow other markets will approach this but um yeah it was interesting
0: yeah for sure cool
1: so i guess that's all i had for today honestly um next yeah. week um we plan on having one uh, without a, a big gap in between so we have a guest already lined up uh, esteban he's um part of the BMW M chapter president. So uh, aside from that, he's got some really good stories with BMW, but he's also, he also has an impressive collection of cars, classic and newer ones. He's a great guy, so he's gonna have a lot of things to share and um, I'm excited to to have him on board and uh, talk about cars in general. I mean, there'll be a lot of classic BMWs to talk about. So uh, switching over a little bit from all the new products. For sure. So, yeah, then um, I can also end with this request from our listeners and viewers. If you guys have any suggestions for any um, topics, or also any guests that we should bring on. We do have a few people that we were trying to bring, um, you know, on, in, into the podcast or on the podcast. But if you have any suggestions, please let us know in the comments below. You know, send an email to podcast at bmwblog.com leave the comments in youtube um so on and so forth so you know where to find us and um we'll see if we can make it happen
0: yeah sounds good
1: all right nico it's great talking to you and uh once again podcast available on our youtube channel also available on all the podcast platforms out there from spotify to apple to amazon Mm -hmm. stitcher and so many more So um, I'm sure you can find us somewhere. Please subscribe. Uh, If you do that, uh, it's going to keep pushing us to do more and more. And um, we promise
0: to deliver on the front. Yep, for sure. All right, guys. Thanks for watching. And we'll see you next time.